You're listening to the Solo to CEO podcast with Davina Frederick. Hello, and welcome to the Solo to CEO podcast, where we provide a mix of powerful, thought-provoking, and practical information to assist you in your transformation from solo to CEO of a high-impact, high-revenue-generating business. I'm your host, Davina Frederick, and I'm here today with Delilo Santos-Furman, founder and CEO of the Santos Law Offices in Miami, Florida. The Santos Law Offices focuses on immigration, bankruptcy, insurance law, and general civil litigation. Welcome, Dalila. I'm so happy you're here today. Davina, thank you so much for inviting me. I am so excited to be part of your program. Oh, great. So tell us, you and I have known each other for a few years now, and I'm I'm really excited that our listeners are going to get a chance to know you. So tell us um, a little bit about your law firm and your practice and the and the clients that you serve and how you serve them. Well, my name is Dalila Santos Furman or Dalila, whatever is easier. And I practice my office is in Miami. Florida, and I practice mostly in the areas of, like you said, bankruptcy, debt litigation, civil litigation, um, immigration, and some insurance claims. Um, my m- most of my practice is uh, in the area of uh, Coral Gables, around there in Miami. Most of my clients are Spanish-speaking clients, but we have uh, people from all over the world, spe- specifically uh, with the immigration practice. So give us uh, give us an idea of why you decided to go into this area of practice. Well, I guess I, we could go back to why I decided to be an attorney. Do you okay <laughs> to really to give it a full full story? But I'm originally from Cuba, so I came to the United States when I was 14 years old with my parents. And back in Cuba, um, my father was always very um, he always made sure that we understood in the household that we we did not support the government, we were against it, and that we should always speak our mind and speak on behalf of others that could not speak or could not defend themselves. So that was my my education in the household from my from my parents. And um and of course he got into a lot of trouble for that mentality back in Cuba. Um <laughs> but that always stayed with me and I it was my dream to, to become an attorney so that I could defend people like my dad back then in Cuba um, and, 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 and everyone else. So that always was with me. But when I came to the country, I did not speak English. So I didn't know how this dream was going to become a reality. Uh, so I went through school. I went to high school. Uh, we lived in Orlando. The, when we moved from Cuba, we lived in Orlando. And I went to high school there. Then I went to UCF. And at UCF, I remember I was doing the uh, legal studies program, but I was still afraid that I was not going to get into law school. So I went to see my counselor and I said, listen, um, I want to switch my, my, my major to something else because what if I don't get into law school? What am I going to do with the legal studies program? So I switched to marketing, even though the, the counselor told me, you're crazy. You're not going to get into law school with a marketing degree. <laughs> so... <laughs> I, I I took the LSAT. I passed to my surprise with good 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 numbers, and then I got into law school. Still shocked, and uh, but um, I I could see my dream coming c- 
coming closer and closer. So I um, finally got through law school. During law school, I, in- I interned at immigration firms. I interned at uh, uh, insurance defense firms. So I got to see other areas of law. But still, I still had the opportunity to represent people and speak on behalf of people that, that couldn't speak for themselves or, or couldn't stand up for themselves. Um, and then when I finished law school, I, uh, it was right in 2008, where in the market crash, I joined a firm in Orlando that did foreclosure defense um, mm-hmm. and debt litigation and consumer protection. And it was then that I realized, even though this was not what I was thinking I was going to do as an attorney, I realized that these people, the people that were losing their homes, the people that were going into bankruptcy, they needed help against these big banks and corporations. And it was, for me, um, a very exciting part of my career. I, I was with that initial firm for five years, and I got to do also a lot of immigration and um, and I got to sue and represent a lot of um, sue a lot of banks on behalf of individuals for violations of, of different laws and uh, represent a lot of people that were losing their homes. So that's how my career started. And that's how I got to this area of law. It was through that first job that even though it was not my ideal job, it really gave me the opportunity to leave that dream that I had from when I was a kid back in Cuba. Maybe it was not a human rights kind of job. But it was a job that the community needed at that point, and it really gave me um, that satisfaction with respect to to that. What what led you to start your own practice? So, I I well, again, my father <laughs> um, did not agree with me going on my own. Um, he thought that I should stay with that company you know, for 20 years and, and just have that job, um, especially, you know, being female and um, uh, and everything else that goes with that mentality. Um, but I wanted more, you know, and I was working for a big firm that I was, I was so thankful for at that time, gave me so many opportunities. I learned so much, but I wanted more client contact. I wanted to get close. I wanted to know my, the people, because I wanted the satisfaction of knowing the people that I was helping. And at this big firm, I'd been with them for five years. And at this point, for the last three years there, I was a managing attorney for the consumer collection, the consumer protection department. So I did not meet my clients anymore. I was not looking at their faces and seeing their results and how happy they were or not, you know. So that's one of the biggest reasons. I wanted to meet and I wanted to know the people that I was helping. And right. that job didn't give me that anymore. And going on my own gave me the opportunity to have more control as to who I represented and for what reasons. And that was the, the driving force for going on my own, really, and right. moving to Miami. Because <laughs> all that was in Orlando. I, I also moved to Miami. Another objection, over the objection of, of my family. Oh, I can imagine. Yep. <clears throat> The fathers like to keep us close. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Especially my, my, not only my parents, but my, my siblings who are also in Orlando. Uh, to this day, they still hope that one day I'll go back <laughs> and stay and open a firm there or something. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a lot older than you are, and my parents are older than your parents, and they still hope that I 
<laughs> move back. So I yeah. don't think that changes, yeah. right? But that took a lot of courage for you to make to make that decision to to move away and and start your own practice. And where do you where do you think you get that sort of and and even you know you referenced earlier about sort of making that decision in the face of somebody saying to you well, you're not going to be success. You're not going to be successful mm-hmm. getting into law school with a, a marketing degree. And, and, you know, your dad is a very, I'm sure mm-hmm. you, you have a tremendous amount of love and respect for your dad. And it's a very formidable thing for him to say, you, you know, to be concerned and have that fear for you and, oh, you need to stay with the, the company and all, uh, you don't, don't, don't go on your own. And, all of this, what, what do you think it is that, where do you think you get that fortitude to kind of push past the fear and other people's fears and uh, strike strike ahead and forge your own path? Where do you think that comes from? I, I, I guess if you really think about it all, and my life has not been difficult, I mean, just because we came from another country, that's as difficult as it has gotten, I have to be honest. But um, uh, I think overcoming that, um, you know, coming to a new country so young and having to deal with a new life, new language, everything, I think that built in me uh, those defense mechanisms or those, I don't know, growing mechanism where we overcome things. That's, that's what we do. Um, and going back to my, my, my parents, they always told me, uh, don't let fear paralyze you. You can be afraid. I'm going to put him on the spot. My dad and myself, we're afraid of the dark. <laughs> and my dad is 71 years old and he's afraid of the dark. And he knew I was, since I was a kid, also afraid of the dark. He always told me, listen, I'm afraid of the dark, but I'm going to stand in the dark. So the dark knows that I'm here. <laughs> I'm not going to let it paralyze me. I'm not going to let my fear stop me from doing something that I want to do. Um, so I think that was instilling me from when I was a kid. And then just, you know, being uh, pushed into this new world, new life, new new language, new everything as an immigrant. I think it built in me that 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 I had to push through with fear or else I would be working at a, I wouldn't even have gone to law school. Uh, had I listened to to my counsel, or had I listened even to myself, so or or took it, taken the bar, or passed the bar, or taken the job, so I've always recognized that yeah, everything I do, even to this day, especially now as a business owner, um, you know, uh, I've discussed with you how many decisions and how difficult those decisions can be sometimes. Um, but the important part is that thanks to the people around me, at at times, thanks to you. Um, I have pushed through through those fears and have gotten the job done. And I think that that's what has always driven me. So when you first moved down, you had a you had a partner at first. And it's very common for people, um, especially for women, oftentimes to feel a need to partner with somebody. And initially you had a partner and then eventually you decided to strike out completely on your own. And how was that experience for you? Yes, um, the the partnership the partnership experience um, by I think is something that everyone needs to live and 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 decide if it's good for them or not. 
looking back, I, I really enjoy being a solo and having con- complete control of, of what I do or not do in my office. Um, but yeah, partnership is just like a marriage. It's challenging and sometimes it works great. I've seen, I, I know many people in partnerships and they're amazing. They do great. They're successful. And then some, sometimes they don't work out. And, and that's what happened in, in my case. It didn't work out. And, um, of course, I've always been the type of person that wants to work things out and make it work and succeed. And it was a difficult decision for me to realize that I needed to make a change because this was not going to work out no matter how hard I, I tried or how, how much I wanted it or how scary it was to, to say, yeah, this didn't work out and I need to move on. Um, so you were instrumental in reaching that, that, that conclusion and making the decision to move on and actually taking the steps to move on. I can, I can, I can close my eyes and remember the night that I was speaking to you. Um, and you pushed me to don't wait any, like, don't wait. I was waiting, I think, till Wednesday to, to, to take the steps. And it was Monday night and I was still at the office and you said, why are you waiting till Wednesday tonight? You need to make this you need to do this now. And I did it. Um, and I never looked back. It was, it was one of the best decisions that I've ever made. Again, despite the fear <laughs> that I was, um, I was going through. Yeah, it was, it was an incredible, well, that, that again, is that example of you feeling the fear and doing it anyway. You know, yeah. that's your pattern of feeling the fear mm-hmm. and doing it anyway. This is all you and mm-hmm. your formidable nature, you know, of saying, okay, yes, I'm scared of this thing, but I'm going to do it anyway. And how has that worked for you with your new firm? I, um, I, I've never been happier, not just in, in my professional life, financial life, but in my personal life. I mean, um, it's, it, it was incredible. It's been incredible. Um, I'm I'm so much happier. I have happy clients. I have a happy family. Now I'm a mom. So it's just um, a lot has been going on. This was in 2017, middle of 2017. So it's going to be going to be two years now, I believe, in July. So it's been, like I said, best decision, one of the best decisions I've ever made. So So some of the things that have happened since you started struck out on your own um completely on your own left a partnership is let's talk about let's talk about your firm and some of the things that have happened when you went on your own at that time you were not a mom so you have started a family yep and and you were just telling me your boy your baby boy mm-hmm. is now 8 months yes so congratulations so, so what is what is your challenge because I know there's probably going to be a lot of a lot of uh, solo um, CEO law firm moms out there listening to this. So tell us some of the ways that you sort of balance your some of the challenges and some of the ways you sort of overcome some of the challenges with yeah. balancing being a mom and running your law firm because your law firm has grown in that in this period of, of the last couple of years you just not only did you leave and start your own 
when you left, you had a couple of employees when you started yep. that you took with you. And so give us an idea of kind of some of the things that have happened, because I know you've added some practice yep. areas, diversified a little bit. So kind of talk, talk to us about what the firm looks like now and some of the changes you've made on this, you know, kind of solo to CEO journey. Yeah, well, I've been able to focus um, more specifically on the type of, of, of and the, in the field that I practice. So um, more specific on the type of case that I want to handle. Uh, we have grown, we've added an employee, we moved the office. Um, I, and that came, that decision came along with, um, because of, of the baby. Now my office is barely 10 minutes from my, from my home. So that's great for me. It is more centrally located for my clients. So it worked out perfectly. Um, and we have added one employee and a virtual assistant, um, aside from, from my employees. And, uh, we've grown. It's, it's a nice building that we're in. Uh, the challenges <laughs> that come along, not just owning the business and all this stuff, but then along came my pregnancy, which we had planned for. But um, remember that that mentality that I have that I can do it all. And even if there is fear, I'm going to go through it. Well, right. sometimes I, <laughs> I under overestimate my power and I decided that I could do it all. I could be pregnant. I could have the baby. And the next day I could be back in the office. Um, and this I did not discuss with you, or maybe I did, but I don't think so because you would have asked me to think about this a little longer. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> and despite the fact that my husband said, Hey, maybe you should get someone else to help you out in the office while you're out. I said, no, 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 no. This baby's going to be there in five weeks and in, in three or four days with me at the office. Well, that didn't happen, and I did not plan accordingly. So I would definitely recommend any new mom, um, uh, especially an attorney with her own firm, I would plan for this, plan to just to just spend time with the baby and have someone else cover for you. Um, it, it really needs to be planned out, and, and that's what I'm working on for the next baby whenever that happens <laughs> because I learned from my experience uh, you really need to have a a, a planning kit, something, and at least someone that you know will be there at the office for you. This is the thing about my practice. I like to meet with my clients. I like to be there when they drop by the office. I'm all I'm always there unless I'm at the courthouse. So I wanted to do that despite the fact that my baby was two days old. <laughs> so <laughs> so it was impossible. Even if so, that for me mentally was. Um, um was difficult to accept that no I couldn't be a mom right now with a two-day-old baby and also be at the office so I had to in the middle of all that come up with new strategies and, and new things to to handle the, the next the the first two three months of the baby and I should have planned much better so any new mom with a firm have someone in place to cover for you so that you can completely forget or at least step away from the office uh, and only be available for emergencies if, if necessary. Um, but thank God. Yeah, you weren't, you weren't, you weren't, you weren't thinking about how much you were going. First of all, I imagine the physical toll 
And then secondly, how much you're going to want to be with the baby. Yes. And, and, and also the needs of the baby. I mean, there are just so many things involved in that. I was, I, it was my first time being, being a mom. And no matter what anyone told me, I, 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 I was sure I could, I could do it all. And it was going to be great. And it was great, but with a few bumps that could have been avoided had I planned better. Um, but thank God I had a, a very solid staff that was able to help me. I even had um, a very good friend of mine who covers, I cover hearings from, for her in court sometimes. She will do it for me. So she did that for me uh, one time. I only needed coverage one time. And as a matter of fact, it was my plan to go to, the, to that hearing. And only because of a calendaring thing, I didn't make it. And the judge specifically told that attorney that covered for me, I am so glad Miss Santos is not here because had she been here, I think I would have held her in contempt. <laughs> because he told me, you cannot come to court with this baby five days old. And I was ready to do that. I was fine. But there was a miscalendering on my end. So I didn't make it. And she covered for me. And she told me, the judge said, you better not show up there anytime soon. <laughs> so... But thank God we got through that, those first three months and, and, and everything has been, it's been going great. Um, and, and this new year we're, we're growing compared to, to last year. So I'm very happy. So let's talk about your um, team and growing your team. You've, so you've doubled really your team because you have now have a virtual assistant in yep. addition to, so you've doubled your team. So talk with us about some of the, challenges of being a boss, being a boss, being a real boss lady, a boss CEO, having a team of people and kind of some of the things that you have learned um, about hiring, firing, managing your team. Do you have some kind of advice or tips for others who are sort of wanting to follow in your footsteps, seeing things that you might have learned from that experience? I hope you don't have to hire or fire anybody anytime soon because it's so difficult. It is so difficult. It is disruptive. If you have to fire someone, you know, it, it really disrupts the, the team. I haven't had to do that in, in a while. Uh, so I don't, I don't even remember, but, um, but hiring and I've gotten lucky with the, with the three assistants that I have there, they're really solid, um, good people. One of them was an attorney in Colombia. Another one was an attorney in um, in Venezuela. And then the other one has been an assistant or has been in the legal field for over eight years. So very smart, professional, dedicated people. Um, so you really look for very experienced people. Not necessarily, not necessarily experienced because the, the Colombian and the and the Venezuelan attorneys, they didn't have, they practice, they're my age, but they practice law um, in, in their countries, not what we do. I, I do look for someone that is professional and hardworking. And these ladies, one of them um, was working at the, at the mod, a kiosk, because she had not had the opportunity to get into the legal field. And then another one was working in a, in a little office, a doctor's office as a receptionist. So um, I, I saw their resumes. I thought they were so great. I talked to them, and they were so smart, so professional, so hardworking. They only wanted the opportunity 
to really um, show what they could do. And, uh, and, and I took a chance with them and, um, and I had never hired, I, I always get resumes from attorneys from other countries and I normally stay away. But this time I said, let me give them a, a try. Let me talk to them. And these two ladies just blew me. And I, and I couldn't, I couldn't believe that I had passed on so many of these resumes. So I gave them the opportunity a year ago, both of them. And, and they were incredible. So, so, and, so and they're very hardworking. It's really interesting because what it said, so I don't know if you had a chance to listen to the podcast uh, that I did with the, with Kathy Knowles, who was the, um, a uh, lady who uh, has a lot of experience in human resources and mm-hmm. is, is an expert in that area. But one of the things that she talks about is hiring based on uh, or con- considering core values and hiring based on your core values. And it sounds like even though, I don't know if you did this intentionally or not, but it, whether or not you did, it sounds like that that's really kind of how you hired is mm-hmm. I know that your core values, you are really, you have an incredible work ethic. I mean, as is evidenced by, by mm-hmm. you wanting to go back to work when your baby was two <laughs> days old, uh, you have an incredible work ethic. And I know that's very important to you that, that professionalism and that, that work ethic. And I know having worked with you before, how, mm-hmm. you know, that was an issue with in the past with employees that, you know, it was a concern of yours. And so it sounds like that was a really key factor in the people that you've hired is looking at their, you know, obviously having been attorneys in another country, there's a, there's an intelligence factor there, but there's also uh, the thing that really persuaded you seemed to be the work ethic and the professionalism. Yeah. yeah, it really, that was, that was, that was it. And to this day, I see it every day in them. Uh, there's not a day that goes by. Um, you know, this just happened today. One of them uh, made a comment. I signed up for a some kind of tutorial. It's a CLE on immigration, and they wanted to hear. They wanna they wanna play it, and I say, yeah, sure, you can do it here in the office. You can do it whenever. And one of them started saying, okay, when I get bored, and I'm listening. I'm thinking, when does she get bored at the office that she's gonna listen to the CLE? And she keeps talking that when I get bored at home on Sunday, blah, 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 I'm going to listen to the CLE. And then I turned around and I said, you know, I was about to say, when are you ever bored at the office that you're going to listen to the CLE? And she said, of course not. I said, she meant at home. Um, so that was, that was a laugh that we had today because they are so hardworking, the three of them, but you know, all of them are hardworking. But talking about the, these two ladies, they, they are really incredible. And today I was like, what do you mean you get four at the office? Like, not at the office. You're like, you're going to fix that, right? (laughs) Yeah, I was like, let me give you something. But I I was just listening. I'm walking out of the room and she's saying that. And I was just um, laughing with myself. So um, you, when you started this, when you moved completely out your own and you started this this practice, you started out doing um, bankruptcy. And yep. that was primarily it. And then you decided to diversify. And what mm-hmm. was your what was your thought process in diversifying? Well, when I was back in Orlando in that um, first job I had, it was a big firm. They mostly did bankruptcy and foreclosure. 
Uh, so for the first two years, I was doing that. Then they asked me to manage what they call the Consumer Protection Department, which is um, basically we would sue collection companies that harass people while attempting to collect a debt. And that area to me is fascinated. It's so rewarding. And I got to do that. I got to manage, I got to manage over 20 employees, including attorneys uh, mm -hmm. for the next three years. And while in that position, I also got the opportunity to develop their immigration department. Um, my sister, <laughs> this is another story, but my sister came from Cuba after my parents and I came because when my parents and I came, we came through a lottery visa. My mom won basically the lottery visa and she was allowed to bring any kids under 21 and the spouse. I have a, a brother and a sister who were both over 21. So my parents had to leave them behind and we came. Years later, my sister came to this country and I was already a practicing attorney with the firm in Orlando and I um and and she barely spoke English. So I begged one of the partners to just hire her to volunteer. He didn't have to pay her to pull, put her in the mail room and just leave her there. So they did. And the years went by, we started doing immigration, and I started using her while she was working in the mailroom as my assistant. And she was already learning English and speaking English. She got her paralegal degree, and she was still working in the mailroom. And we were developing the immigration department together for that firm. And I left five years later, and she was still working in the mailroom, doing the ma not the mail anymore, but still in the mailroom, doing immigration, social security, and all that stuff, uh, legal assistant work for, for the attorneys and that department. So that immigration part started there. Um, my sister fell in love with immigration, and I fell in love with immigration, and we worked together, and it was incredible. So, so that developed. So I love the consumer work. I love the immigration. Um, and I enjoyed bankruptcy. To get the consumer work, uh, I would have to do the bankruptcy, which I, 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 I enjoy a lot too. So that's how those areas develop and I, that's how I focus on them. Um, but that's where it came from. Great, and the, and the importance of, and, and it was important to you to diversify. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, there are different mentalities, you know, there, there, I've heard people tell me, oh, you should just pick one area and just do that. Um, but I, I wanted, I, first of all, I want to practice in the areas that I enjoy. Number one, that's number one, because if I don't like a case or an area, I, I would hate it. I would be miserable doing it. So number one, I want to do something that I enjoy. In those two areas, mostly the bankruptcy or the debt litigation, consumer, all that together and immigration to me is enjoyable. I really like it. I really like representing these people. They really need it. Um, so despite the fact that I've talked to other people, oh, you should just concentrate in one area. I think that my office can handle and I can handle um those those main areas and and, and diversifying I, I think from a business perspective to me it makes sense um 
especially for example, I still do and, and I do insurance cases. Those cases take much longer. And from a business perspective, my bankruptcy case, my consumer cases, my immigration cases um, could be resolved faster. I could get paid faster while I wait and, and I litigate the insurance cases. So from a business perspective, if, that, if that's what you're asking me, that's the decision that I made. Mm -hmm. So what advice do you have for, before we wrap up here, let's give a, let's give kind of some, if you would sum it all up and sort of for, for other attorneys who um, are interested in growing their practice and they want to have the kind of success that you've had, other women attorneys, what kind of advice would you have for them um, if they're starting out on this journey of having their own practice? Um, I would definitely, so the Florida bar offers a few CLEs on solo and, uh, small law firms. I would definitely do those. And those are, most of them are free. I get emails about them all the time. So I would definitely get some background on, uh, as to the, um, the structure, you know, you have to be sure that you ha you're complying with all the professional rules and the trust account rules. So you definitely need to get some, some, some background and, and some structure there. And I think the Florida, the Florida bar CLEs really help with that. Um, I also think, I don't know if this is as important, but you definitely need a mentor or so, someone that can guide you, maybe someone that's been there before you or someone that does this for a living, or someone who's an attorney with their own practice, whether they're starting maybe a few months or a few years ahead of you, or or has a or or that person has a, a practice that is is uh, mature and, and grown. But you need a mentor. You, I, I wouldn't do this without a mentor. Um, and you need to you need to know your numbers. <laughs> this is the worst part. <laughs> So definitely, um, definitely the CLEs on setting up the business and everything, a mentor, and then you need to know your numbers. And another part that I completely dislike is you need to network. Um, those are the, the main three, four things that I would recommend. Uh, yeah. When I say need to know your numbers is you should um, come up and think of what you want to get out of this business out of your out of your law firm. Put a number to that, and then walk yourself backwards. How many cases you need to go get up to that number? How many? You need to really know your numbers. Even if you have two cases, start practicing. <laughs> you only have to try and start practicing how much money you want to have at the end of the year. And, and go backward and figure out how many cases you need for that and, and, and how many computers you need and how many people you need. But you need to know your number to, to be successful. You cannot go uh, blindly on this. Yeah, I think that's and great. Really that's great advice. I know you and I have many conversations about that, mm -hmm. the importance of that and having that um, not, not falling so much it, in love with being if the difference is if you want to be a lawyer being yeah. a lawyer you can be a lawyer but if you want to open your own business you also have to embrace being a business owner and being part of being a business owner is you have to know the business side and you have to get comfortable with the finances are just as important as being a lawyer 
So you and I have talked about that, knowing your numbers piece of it is, is you have to just get comfortable and brace. You can't say, well, I'm a lawyer, so therefore I don't do math. You have to learn to, to make your peace with it and get, doesn't mean that you have to become a bookkeeper. You can hire bookkeepers to help Mm -hmm. you line up the numbers the way you need to, but you need to understand where, what all those numbers mean and be able to put your fingers on them at any moment and and understand where you are at any moment. Right. So that's terrific advice. Yep. Definitely. All right. So uh, tell us if we want to find out more about uh, the Santos law offices, tell us, where we can find out more about you. So you can always visit our website, santoslawpa.com. We're also on Facebook under Santos Law, on Instagram. So I'm always posting um, current information or things that happen in the office with one of our cases. Uh, so you can always find us on Facebook and Instagram with, with stories. And on our website, you'll find a lot of information. I try to put uh, as much information as I can about the field that I practice in so people can just have um, that are looking for answers can find something quickly and you can always call us at 305-417-4111 we're on uh, 67 and Coral Way right right off of uh, Coral Gables in Miami wonderful thank you so much I was I have so enjoyed our conversation as I always do when you and I talk and I really yep. appreciate you being here Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. The Solo to CEO podcast is sponsored by D. Frederick Media and Marketing and the Solo to CEO system. We help professional women entrepreneurs transform from solos to CEOs of high-impact, high-revenue-generating businesses while reclaiming their time and creating the lifestyle of their dreams. If you are ready to skyrocket your revenue, cultivate a crackerjack team, and set up systems and automation to get your firm running like a well-oiled machine so you can focus on the highest and best use of your time, then you'll want to attend our latest presentation, Six Shifts to Transform Your Solo Practice into a Seven-Figure Firm with Total Ease. Register at law.solotoceo.biz webinar.